It's the Field of Vision podcast with your host, Jordan Eisen. How's it going, everybody? And welcome into the Field of Vision podcast. Joining me this week is Eric Cross of Fantrax. Kind of does basically everything related to baseball over there. He's a co-host, a five-tool pod in Fantrax Toolshed. Um, he is does a lot of writing as well, of course. Um, just like a little bit of everything in the industry. Uh, and I definitely admire your work and uh, like everything that you do. But uh, something that I asked uh, a lot of people about as like an intro question on the pod is how did you even get this weird job that like really shouldn't be a job um like how how did you get into this crazy field because it's so like absurd if you really think about what it is um how did you like find yourself here yeah well, first off thanks for having me on i'm a big fan of your work as well i first uh saw you on uh, was it Potapalooza? Was that it? Or yeah, uh, so, so many live streams yep. <laughs> this spring. I kind of forget them all, but uh, yeah, good fan of your work as well. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, so I started at Fantrax. Uh, that's was a little over five years, uh, four years ago, back in March of 2017. I had played a few leagues on Fantrax, and then my one of my actually one of my buddies got uh, an email. I didn't, I wasn't signed up for the emails, and he got an email saying they were looking for writers. Said so they were just starting up their content side of things they were strictly a fantasy site before that and a fantasy platform i should say and he got the email he's like hey i know you've kind of mentioned it you know when we were hanging out that you might want to do a little bit of this on the side so you know here's their email I'm like oh cool so i sent in i uh, emailed in and I sent in my uh kind of trial article or whatever you want to call it uh, it was on austin meadows of all people back when he was still a pittsburgh pirates prospect back then and uh they liked me enough to bring me on and kind of the rest has been history so and it's been a fun ride. I, I never thought like I would be where I am now when I started out four years ago. But it's a lot of hard work and a lot of passion, and it's meeting the right people. It's so it's kind of grown into something where I can maybe make this a full time job at some point. Uh, still, still working on that part. But uh, yeah, so it's been a fun ride, and uh, this industry is absolutely great. I've been a lot of great people, a lot of helpful people that have helped me along the way. So it's it's been a fun time. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Um, that just like the, I think I said this to Justin Mason. Maybe it was once I stopped the recording behind the scenes. Um, but like the fantasy baseball industry is just like it, it's really something else. It, like everyone seems to know each other, even though you like only met a couple times face to face, just like yep. through Twitter and like through podcasts like everyone knows each other like pretty well and it's just it's unlike anything that i've really experienced um because like i'm definitely new but i definitely have also met a lot of people that like through twitter through the podcast and they like interact with me even though i'm just like some random kid who has a podcast um so yeah it's a really cool uh community and group of people to be a part of. And for those of you who don't know Fantrax, um, if you're kind of familiar with Fantasy Pros, it's a little bit like that. It's just like a hub of a whole bunch of fantasy uh, analysis, really everything. Like they do a lot of baseball. I 
I would guess that's like your number one thing, but also a lot of football, NBA, NHL, whatever. Um, But yeah, so uh, I, to my knowledge, it's also like a pretty new site and they're growing quick. That is for sure. Um, And and pretty big name uh, in the fantasy industry. So yeah, that's exciting that you work for them. Pretty cool. Um, So what we're doing today even though baseball started earlier today, and I'm just sitting here as a Cardinals fan watching them beat up on one of my favorite players, Luis Castillo, watching the <laughs> Royals put up 15 runs or whatever. Like We're still doing a fantasy mock draft. Um, the timing didn't work out perfectly, but it's whatever. Uh, it's not like if it's not like today changed our opinions completely. So we're going to do a mock draft. It's kind of just an excuse to talk about guys we like. Um, and yeah, sum up like, and it can be useful as well. Like it's not just here's some content. It's like, it's telling you our reasoning on why we like certain guys and maybe their potential trade candidates. Um, so that's what we're going to be getting into today. I have the number two overall pick. I don't like this position too much. Uh, I'm going to take Mookie Betts, though. I just have my cheat sheet up, like my rankings up, and it's he's my highest-ranked guy. He just brings everything you want to the table. Mike Trout is great, but obviously I, I think Mookie Betts is a better lock for steals um, and just as stable in every other category, if not better in runs, because... He might be the like leading candidate in runs. Um, so you have the number seven overall pick, and all the um, all the auto picks are going. And who are you looking at at number seven overall? Yeah, so interesting spot here, being in the middle of the rounds. And yeah, you you took Mookie at two. I like that pick. And then Degrom, Tatis, Soto, and Trout went three through six. And that leaves my highest player on, on the board, who's my number six overall player for this year. That's Trey Turner. I love his lineup spot hitting in front of uh, in front of Juan Soto, and that lineup's improved, adding Josh Bell to the mix as well. So I, I think he's going to score a ton of runs this year. I think as long as he stays healthy, which obviously has been a little bit of an issue in the past for him, but more so the you know few years back, and he's been fairly healthy the last couple of years. Uh, I think he's just all around stuff. The the added power he brings to the table now. He's he's more than just a twelve to fifteen home run guy. He's a potential twenty five homer guy with thirty plus steals, good average. You know, I think he's just to be an all around stud and getting that shortstop position locked in early with that speed. So I think Trey Turner is my pick here, locking that in. He is my top ranked batter. I have the um, I have both Cole and. Uh... Well, what's his, is Shane Bieber above him? But that's just that's definitely more of a matter of preference, I think. Um, I, I like Turner. I think he was my pick at eight overall in um, TGFBI. So can't really disagree with you there at all. And now my second pick here, uh, seeing who went. Uh, I was hoping Harper would fall to me. He did not. So let's see, looking who's on the board here. I've been trying to go. You know, in years past, I was always, you know, first two rounds at least I'd go hitters. But this year, you know, last couple of years, especially this year, I've started taking 
pitchers in the second round. And one that I really like he that's left on the board here, even though I, my boy Bo Bichette's still on the board, but I don't know if I want to go back-to-back shortstops here to start. So uh, I will go with Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. Uh, he, I want yeah, him. he, you know, it's funny. I, I used to be, when he was a prospect, I was very, very high on him. And then, you know, it kind of that faded when he was just one of the worst pitchers in baseball first year or two of his career. But the turnaround he's made, you know, the pitch mix that he has, change up, breaking ball, fastball. I really like G Little this year. And he's one that he's not afraid to go up in the zone with this change up. It's really like the pitch mix. A lot of strikeouts, keep the ratios in check. He's right in that mix of that second tier with you, Darvish, and. Aaron Nola, Walker Bueller, you know, Trevor Bauer, all of them. But, you know, I didn't get a lot of Giolito shares this spring, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that and go Giolito here. Giolito is my SP4, so I was hoping you would go Darvish or um, someone else with that pick in your little, like, lead-in. We were talking about just a pitcher you really like. I was hoping it would be Darvish. I like Darvish. <laughs> I do um, But he, he's still one spot behind Giolito for me, and I think Giolito would have fallen if you had taken Darvish. Um, so I do agree, though. It, if you can, I would be happy. Uh, I want a starting pitcher in round two, basically in every league, um, unless you're just really stuck and you have to take, like, I don't know, like Flaherty. I, I wouldn't be for that. Um, but, yeah, Luis Castillo. Max Scherzer, I'd be fine with them if it came down to it. Fortunately for me, um, I'm going to grab Aaron Nola here. I just think he's the next best thing, really. Um, and if we're playing the game where we have to guess who's going to come off the board, I feel pretty comfortable in thinking that Luis Castillo is going to come back to me over Aaron Nola. And even still, I like Nola more anyways. Um so yeah, what do you know? I do too. Here, I, I love Aranola. Yeah, I, I think. Let me see. I think I have. It, it goes Giolito, Darvish, Bauer, Nola for me. Um, so obviously, I like Nola a lot. Um, I I just think he's good. Um, I do think that a reason that I like Giolito more is because I think we're just completely discounting that Aranola was fine. He didn't have any like skill set change or anything and he was just like not that good one year um and like obviously Giolito was the worst pitcher in baseball for like a year and a half but he made his skill set change since then um Nola's bad or like decent year I think is more of just a testament to like that can happen for him um if his fastball isn't doing work if his changeup's a little iffy or I, I forget exactly what the like main problem was, but it was something with pitch pitch selection. So um, that could come back, but I still like him a lot. Uh, and yeah, with this next pick, I'm going Luis Castillo. He had a horrible outing today. I don't care. I think he's good. Um, I think Lucas Giolito. Yeah, one start. Yeah, Lucas Giolito had like a horrible start of the uh, you Darvish, Lucas Giolito, both had horrible starts to start off 2020 and they were two of the best pitchers. So it's fine. Um, and yeah, Castillo 
He has some of the best stuff best stuff in the game, so I am perfectly okay with taking him in early round three. Yeah, that's a great pick. He's a very good pitcher, one of the best change-ups in baseball, maybe the best change-up in baseball. So with my third pick here, middle of the third round, I've been trying to lock in an outfield fairly early in all my drafts because I, I like a lot of the top outfield options and not so much. There's some guys in the middle rounds, but you know I, that's usually where I attack other areas. So I'll probably gotta go outfield here and definitely love this my top guy available here, Kyle Tucker. I'm going to take him here. I wrote an article uh, that came out on m- Monday, I believe it was, earlier this week about – I think there's I wrote six guys that could be potentially first round picks next year, and, and Kyle Tucker was like the first name that popped into my mind. He proved throughout his minor league career that he is a big time power speed threat. Had I think for the three straight 2020 seasons, including a 30 30 season in 2019. Uh, yeah, that was a Triple A, you know, in the hitter friendly Pacific Coast League. But hey, 30 30 is 30 30, and. You know he's and he's shown that in the major leagues too that that power speed threat is there. Maybe the average isn't going to be great with him. Maybe he's like a two seventy guy, but that's fine when you're going to be potentially thirty plus home runs, twenty plus steals, a ton of RBI and runs scored in a still very good you know, Houston lineup, which he'll be hitting right in the middle of you know around guys like Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve. So I think he's just to be a, a at least a four and a half category stud. And if he improves against off-speed pitches, you know, maybe he gets up 280, 290. He's had seasons over 300 in the minor league. So I wouldn't rule that out if he makes those improvements against, you know, off-speed pitches and, and breaking pitches. So he actually, he mashes fastball. So get better against the other pitch selection, uh, pitch types, I should say. And I think you could see that average trend up as well. And maybe a five-category stud. So kind of an easy pick here to take Kyle Tucker. Very high on him. Yeah, and if we were doing this in like normal draft season, obviously we wouldn't know it. But he, the fact is, he's batting cleanup today. So yep. uh, there was some concern that he would be batting like seventh in the order or something. Jordan Alvarez moved down to six. I do think Alvarez, while he's healthy, is probably a better batter. But the Astros seem like they want Kyle Tucker high in their lineup, and he's batting cleanup. So. Yeah, that is cool. Um, again, your your team's looking a lot like my TGFBI team. Uh, I took Turner in the first. <laughs> I think it was Castillo in the second and Kyle Tucker in the third. So, yeah, uh, I definitely have nothing wrong with any of those picks. Now, here in round four, you know, I, I have been double tapping pitchers through like rounds four or five and looking at the available pitchers. And he's another one that didn't pitch too well today. He had like three, is it three or four runs in like four or five innings? I forget the exact line, but something you know close to a run per inning he gave up. But I'm really high on Brandon Woodruff this year. Both him and Corbin Burns, I think, are going to be very, very good top ten caliber pitchers this year. And I think Woodruff is my SP ten or eleven for this year. And to get him, you know, get even you know twelve teamer to get him as my number two. Um, pitcher, I think is great. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the top, you know, strikeout pitchers on a per inning basis this year. And you know, he's shown he, he was already was one of those last year. 
Yeah, I don't think he'll post elite ratios, but I think good enough, like low three ERA, 1.1 whip, something like that. I really like what they're doing up there in Milwaukee with that pitching staff. So I'll take uh, Woodruff here as my SP2. Yeah, and if you did uh, see me on TGFBI uh, on Potapalooza, um, I, I did pick him as one of my busts, but it, it wasn't really a bust. It was more just like, let's pour some cold water on this guy. Like he, he was rising up draft boards too high for my liking. I think he's fine in round four. Um, I do have guys I would rather have, I think, um, at this point in terms of bats. But if you want a pitcher, I think he's my top ranked pitcher. So no problems with that. Um, I'm in a weird situation. This is one of the reasons I don't like picking at uh, the turn, like at pick two. That's not ideal for me because I really want to get Whit Merrifield in round three or four in every draft I can. Um, it's not because of really who he is. I think he's good in average, good in steals, but it's just because of the uh, position eligibility he gives you um, in the scarce category contributions he gives you as well. Unfortunately, picking at pick two, early round three was just too early for him, I think, when you can still grab Luis Castillo, and he didn't fall to me in round four. That said, I think I'll fill up this spot with Tim Anderson, um, kind of a similar thing to Went Merrifield. I think a little worse at everything except for probably power. Um, I really like wit, especially because of the eligibility, but it didn't work out. So I'm here with Tim, Tim Anderson, who I don't think will hit as high of an average, probably less steals, maybe more runs. I don't know. Uh, it, I'm not too enthusiastic about that pick, but it, it's what was left, and he was the top-ranked player on my board. All right, and now this next pick, I have. I, I definitely want to come away with a pitcher just because this tier of pitchers, um, for me, it stretches from Corbin Burns at number 14 all the way down to Blake Snell at number 18. Um, and you can include Brandon Woodruff if you want in that tier. So I'm going to take Corbin Burns because I really like um, picking guys in that tier of guys. And I, I don't I don't think any of them is are going to come back to me in late round five. So I'll take one here. None of the bats really interest me. My top my top ranked bat right now is George Springer. But the injury, I don't think it's concerning. But um just the missed time is a little, it's something to be aware of, of course. So if it weren't for the injury, he'd definitely be my top ranked player. But I don't know, none of the bats really excite me. So I'm going to go with Corbin Burns, who you already said you liked. So I get a little bit of approval oh, there as Burns, well. Yeah, yeah he's the, uh, I included one pitcher in that article I was mentioning just because you know, why not? You know, just have fun, fun with it. Put one pitcher in the article. And he and Corbin Burns was the pitcher I've included. So um, I think he definitely has that chance to take another step and be kind of up where, you know, we're valuing Giolito and Nola. I think he can get right into that second tier behind, you know, that big tier of, you know, Bieber, Cole, and DeGrom. So definitely love that pick. Love Corbin Burns this year. Have him on a lot of teams. He's probably my most rostered pitcher 
Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd have to look, but he's probably at least up there. He's one of my most rostered players overall. You know, here, I mean, round five, a lot of couple first basemen just went. Vladdy and Pete Alonzo. I was debating Vlad here. As I like how he's looking in spring training and the weight loss. It's all I saw on my Instagram all offseason was him working out and he was posting those like every day. It, <laughs> is that the only is that what boosting him this high comes down to like that plus the prospect pedigree or their actual like uh do you, do you think his launch angle is like he did raise it in spring training but it was a small sample size and it wasn't right. like that extravagant. So is this because at the beginning of draft season, like I thought it was like a certainty he's going in the 70s somewhere. And he's just been rising this whole time. So do you think it's like people are just scared of missing out, so they want to grab him in some leagues, so they start grabbing him early? Do you think it's like, why do you think, why, why do you want him this high? Because, of course, one of the best pros- prospects in the past several years, but... He hasn't done much yet, and you still have really good batters on the board. Um, so why would you consider him this high? Yeah, I think the reason why he's kind of moved up is, you know, the fear of missing out on him, you know, FOMO, as some people call it. But, uh, yeah, the, the launch angle did improve this, this spring. But then it kind of went back down to, you know, 2020 levels at near the end of spring training last week or two. But just the fact that he lost, like, I think it was 42 pounds which is, is great to see, but obviously losing weight doesn't make you a better hitter or off the bat. So, but just like the underlying metrics, he he crushes the ball. He's up there with, you know, Acuna and, and Tatis in terms of you know hard contact rate. And we saw in that home run derby that he has some of the best raw power in the game. So I think it's yeah, it's just that fear of oh, what if this is the year where he breaks out and hits three hundred with forty home runs? And is that going to happen? Probably not. But you know, he does look, and he had a couple of really hard hit balls today. I think uh, that his first inning hit was the, I think it was the hardest hit ball in the Statcast era, off of Garrett Cole. So since 2015, <laughs> so that is, uh, I heard, I heard that in the broadcast. I was like, wow, you know, Statcast has been around six years now, and this is the hardest hit ball off the guy that's been, you know, one of the top two or three pitchers in the game for the last half decade. So that was really impressive. Uh, I'm going to go with a different slugger here, though. You know, it's might be a little early for him, but I've kind of missed out on him a lot because everyone else loves him as much as I do. That's Jordan Alvarez of the Astros, who was arguably the, the best hitter in baseball after his June 9th debut uh, back in 2019. He was top two or three in like every, every offensive stat that is good. <laughs> like, you know, Woba and sluggy percentage and ISO and hard contact, exit velocity, everything that is a positive offensive stat in terms of hitting the ball hard, he was up there in and as a rookie, which is absolutely astonishing. And you know, everyone kind of worries about the knees, but you know, all the reports I've I've heard, and you know, we have an injury expert who is an actual doctor that writes articles for us at Fantrax HQ, a guy named Nick Savali, who is actually. Aaron Savali's uh, brother, his older brother, and uh, he's yeah. he's not worried about the knees at all. He he eased any little concern I had. He eased that when we had him on Five Tool back in oh January or so. I forget when it was, middle of the off season. But just love that five you know, four category production. Excuse me from Jordan. He's an absolute stud. Another guy hitting in the middle of that Houston lineup. So I think he's gonna have a big year. 
And it leads me to pick six here. And um, also, so something that I kind of noticed, and, and it's not like a huge, it's not a reason you should take a person. It's just kind of an added bonus. If Kyle Tucker doesn't have a great season, Jordan Alvarez is moving right. up in the lineup. If Jordan Alvarez gets injured, he uh, Kyle Tucker's moving up in the lineup. So it's kind of like a handcuff a little bit. Um, so that is definitely a plus. It, it's not like a huge deal, but another thing about that pick, I do think you probably could have waited, but take your guy. Like if I was, if I was just told Jordan Alvarez is not going to be there for you next round, I think that is a perfectly fine pick. Um, I just think you might've been able to wait, but if you don't think it's worth the risk, I get that as well. Yeah, yeah, he probably could have fallen at least one more round to this pick here. That's definitely possible because, you know, like I said, he's utility only. People will shy away from that, even though I, I don't shy away from the utility thing. You know, yeah, it's not great. You'd rather have him have outfield eligibility, of course. But, you know, if you're confident in your own drafting skills, you you can work around it. Especially, it's not like you're taking him second round, third round, something like that. You know, it's sixth round, seventh round, eighth round, depending on, on the draft. And so I think you can definitely work around that, especially when he's giving you type of production that he's capable of um, see here pick i was I'm, i was hoping this guy would fall back to me and he did yeah there's a lot of bounce backs this year a lot of good values at the third base position and yohan mancada is one of them you know, i believe what we saw from him in 2019 was very legit and it was backed up you know by all of his underlying metrics he hit the ball hard you know, barrel rate was very good and he's hitting in the middle of a great White Sox lineup in a good hitter's park there in Chicago. And I think, you know, he's great value this year. He's fallen into the 70s and 80s, and we're at pick, what's that? Uh, we're a little bit before that. We're pick 66, I believe, here. So that's a little bit before his you know, ADP. But you know, I like the bounce back potential here. And third base kind of gets to the point after this, this range, after him. And Eugenio Suarez is a good pick here as well. But uh, really love Mankata as a bounce back to you know what he showed pre twenty twenty where he was you know a top thirty or so player. I think he can get back to that range. So I think I love the potential return on investment here. So I will go back to back hitters and grab Yohan Mankata. Okay, my guy fell. Um, so when you were speaking about Jordan Alvarez being a DH and just like not really worrying about that. Um, I wanted to butt in, but I wanted to see if my guy would fall as well. And it's Nelson Cruz. So a big, big, my, my like, are, are you familiar with Adam Azer at all? Like, so, okay. So last year yeah. on uh, the pod, he talked a lot about, uh, what was it called? Tap Hap AMC, which is like it, just an absurd acronym. It kind of was just a joke. Two aces plus Paxton. Wait. I don't know what it stood for. It was just an absurd thing for um, draft strategy. And I kind of came up with a similar one for myself this year. So it's Tawad Hape. Um, so that's three aces, wit, as in wit, Maryfield, um, two aces, wit, and DH, and position eligibility. So I, basically what it is is I just really love DHs this year, and I know I'm not alone in that, but I want one in every single one of my league. 
uh, preferably Cruz or Alvarez, which whichever one doesn't go first. So in this case, you took Alvarez, so that's my cue to take Cruz. Um, and yeah, so uh, I think both of those guys are insane values. And if you can get like Whit Merrifield, a guy that has first base and outfield eligibility, let's say Trey Mancini, um, like a Tommy Edmond and Max Muncy, it completely mitigates the um, whole DH only thing. Because I do think that the DH only spot is really annoying, especially midseason when you have to, like, let's say I need to fill my uh, third base position, but there's just no one that I really want there. Um, and I just want to take a shortstop. Like, having a DH only person um, can really interfere with that if the shortstop is, like, by far the best guy on waivers. So, what I like to do is grab Mac. Grab Max Muncy um, at some point, and then you can fill up your infield and just play Max Muncy wherever you need him to in your infield, and then just play around with your roster, and you'll be able to like have basically the same is the same or better position eligibility as someone who doesn't have a DH only and. If you so, I think another big thing is taking three really good pitcher, pitchers only. I did in this draft in Nola Castillo and Burns. Um, so once you, I think that's a huge thing, but that does put you really behind on um, on hitting categories. So you have Whit Merrifield. Hopefully, in this case, I didn't get him, which I'm upset about, but it's whatever. Uh, I can definitely figure it out. So Whit Merrifield kind of is your anchor for steals. And then the DH, like how much worse is Nelson Cruz in just like raw statistics than like someone who might go in like round three or something? Uh, like let's call it Corey Seager. Like it's not a huge difference. Um, no, it's not. So People get worried because Jordan Cruz, because Cruz is 40 years old. People get worried about that, but he just keeps hitting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about that at all. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are some there are some uh, drawbacks to Cruz, but I think pitching early is like a must for me. Um, and then, if possible, I would definitely like to get Wit for the steals. In this case, it was Tim and Tim Anderson, which isn't great uh, for position eligibility, but it's fine. And then just counter the DH only thing with a bunch of multi eligible guys and. I've done that, I think, in every league, and I really like all of my teams. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely a lot of things have to go right for it to go perp- perfectly. But, like, in this draft, I wasn't able to get I wasn't able to get Merrifield, so maybe I'll just take Nick Solak late. Like, he's not the same, but um, he has that second base outfield eligibility, so I can do something like that. Um, there are a lot of ways to go about it, and there are specific players that work best, I think, but um, there are definitely alternatives as well. So now I'm just going to take another guy who I think is just straight up a slugger, um, Nick Castellanos. I think he's really good. Um, last year was weird with the Reds just having Babbitt problems for some reason. So that was odd. Um, 
I think his batting average should definitely be above 270, but also be closer to 290. Like, I, I feel comfortable saying his batting average is a plus. I think he's a plus power hitter as well, which is huge um, when you have a team build like this, where you got Mookie, Tim Anderson, and um, Nelson Cruz. His power helps out a lot. I just think he's a really good hitter. Um, do you agree with Castellanos? Or do you think the strikeout rate or something like that is a little concerning? Because I just don't. You know, I don't necessarily have any issues with Castellanos. I've, I've never been super high on Castellanos, but I get why people are. I get the power he's shown, the ballpark he's in. He could be, you know, easily could be a top 50 player. At season's end, I definitely think he could be. Is it that power? He could be a forty home run bat. He he showed that in his little cup of coffee. Not a cup of coffee. It was longer than that, but his little time with the uh, with the Cubs and uh, just getting out of Detroit. I think you know kind of rejuvenated him. Now he's in a, a very good ballpark. So I definitely could see him, you know, kind of bounce not bouncing back. He don't have a down year, but kind of vaulting up into that top fifty. He definitely has the upside too. But uh, he he kind of just falls into that. You know, this this is the range I usually try to target other players. And I think I like other players here more. Um, Like I'm looking at outfielders here from my pick. And there's two that I'm debating between both outfielders. I'm going to go another kind of almost like the Yohan Moncada of the outfield. Kind of like a really big bounce back potential. Yep. There it is. You know it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, both of them were affected by. Uh, COVID last year and, you know, and uh, Meadows even said, you know, like I, I didn't feel right the entire season. So um, looked all right this spring. You know, the average wasn't there, but you know, I did hit a home run today. So it makes me feel good about that. I think he can get back to where he was. And he's, you know, one of the guys I'm not worried about Tampa Bay kind of messing around with him and, you know, platooning. There's like three or four guys in that on that uh, in that lineup that I don't worry about playing time. And he's one of them and probably hit high in that order regardless, right? You know, always top three or four. Even that's not, it's not a great lineup, but it's, it's a good lineup. You know, he's going to have a lot of good hitters parks ahead. And the American league East in general, is just filled with good hitters parks. Like Tampa Bay actually might be the worst hitters park in that division. And it's still, a good hitters park, I think, but he's got a, have a lot of games in Fenway and Yankee stadium and Camden and, and uh, whatever, I forget whatever, whatever the ballpark name is that Toronto's playing in this year, but another hitters park. So I think he's having a nice bounce back year, 25, 30 home runs, good average, you know, maybe pushing 160 to 180 combined runs in RBI add in, you know, eight, 10 steals or so. So I think he's a good value here. So I will take him and see who falls. Next pick. Yeah, the other guy I was debating went right after. Michael Michael Conforto was the other guy I was debating. He went right after. So I, I have nothing <sighs> wrong with it. I wouldn't do it just because I do think there's a little bit of risk that last year was just real and we're leaning on COVID as an excuse for him. Um yeah, but I do fair. like him. He in Pittsburgh, he was probably like he, he was really one of my favorite players. Um I don't know why just kind of happened um but yeah i like him um not I, I wouldn't take him there but nothing wrong with it yeah he's uh i might have a little bit of a sweet spot for him because he was the person i wrote my first ever article about on, on fan track so i've also had a little bit of a sweet spot for austin meadows so i'm probably gonna go back to the pitching side of things here 
leaning towards going. There's a lot of good bats on the board, though, that I don't want to pass up. But I do want to grab a third pitcher here. And I'm probably going to go. I might even go to a reliever here. I should name it up. Take that back. I'm going to go. Got to, you know, I'm going to go with this guy. Jesus Lazardo. The Oakland Athletics, a guy I've always liked a lot coming up through the minor leagues. Really, really good stuff. You know, he's got the three-pitch mix. And, you know, he, big big time uh, breaking ball, good changeup, good fastball. I think he's have a lot of strikeouts. He didn't, didn't blow anybody away in his his uh, debut. You know, he hasn't really, you know, excelled yet. He's been decent so far. He hasn't really been great, but... I think there's big time upside there. You know, it's, it's got all the makings of a guy that could be a, you know, a top 20 starter or so. And this is kind of like where he's been taken back into the top 100. Got him in round eight here. So I think that was solid value. I don't, I don't think I reached too much there. So yeah, uh, I, I like Lizardo as my, as my three. He's one of my favorite targets just overall um, in entire fantasy baseball. I really like him. Um, as a matter of fact, to Wadhape was to Waldhape with uh, like three aces, Wit and Lazardo. Uh, so I I really like him. Um, I got rid of it because I was like, this is already too complicated. Let's simplify it a little bit. So yeah, uh, big fan of Lazardo. I was, I was hoping he would fall to me. Um, I'm gonna take Max Muncie. He's part of my mitigating the dh eligibility plan so i feel a need to grab him um but my next pick hopefully will be charlie morton if you had not taken lazardo this pick would be lazardo but charlie morton to me is the next best uh starter on the board and though i do have what i consider three aces in nola castillo and burns i definitely want a good SP4. I want six good starting pitchers that like I feel good about on every team. So I'm going to take Charlie Morton. I just think last year was a little fluky. The injury wasn't um, held him back a little bit. So yeah, I think he is due for a bounce back. A lot like your uh, Mancada and Meadows takes. Yeah. Except without the COVID, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Mor- Morton's a great option there as well. And I was hoping Ian Anderson would follow to me here. He went two picks before me. So I, I got to switch things up a little bit here. I'm, I'm probably going to go. So I got three pitchers already. So that's not too bad. The, see, this is the range where I usually start taking a lot of pitchers because I'm not huge on the hitters here. But one guy I am big on that I can, I already have a shortstop, but I can plug him in the, my middle infield. Got I drafted a lot. This spring, I drafted him three times in one day. Uh, one was a mock draft, and then one was dynasty, and one was redraft. But I got him three times in one day. And that's Dansby Swanson from the Braves. He's just he's steadily improved every year. Like he, he never had the numbers that blow your socks off. You know, he's never. You know, I don't think he's ever going to fully live up to that number one pick kind of stigma. But he's very, very good. Like I said, he's steadily improving. Things have a pretty solid average, you know, 270 to 280 range, you know, 20, 25 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, good counting stats, you know, hitting somewhere in the middle of that, you know, good Atlanta Braves 
lineup. So he'll have a lot of, you know, he'll be driving in Acuna and Freeman and Ozuna and, and Albies a lot. <laughs> Those guys will be hitting right in front of him. So a lot of RBI opportunities as well. And I like getting, you know, kind of two second basemen. I like locking up my middle infield early or fairly early, kind of like by this, you know, one pick, 125 range or so, just because shortstop after Swanson and Correa kind of falls off. You know, Sammy in it too, but kind of falls off. It's a lot of question marks. So um, same with second base, it's kind of thin as well. So I like kind of getting my middle infield locked up so I don't have to get, you know, a guy I don't like and have to, you know, go that route later on. So I'll lock up middle infield here and take Deansby Swanson. Yeah, I do like a couple guys late. Um, just like, uh, what's his name? Shoot. Second baseman for White Sox. Oh, prospect Nick Madrigal. Yeah. yeah, I like him. I like um, Nick Solak, I already mentioned. There, there are a couple guys, but I do agree that it shallows out. And if we were playing out this league, uh, taking two shortstops takes away one for someone who actually needs it. So, right. Um, good, good trade it, chip. Good always. strategy. Yeah, exactly. Because it does get pretty gross at about this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sure does. So next pick here, I'm glad a couple of the arms I was eyeing here fell. I got to pick between the two. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Lance McCullers Jr. It's my third Astro that wasn't planning that when we started, but you know, he there's obviously a fair amount of risk that goes into you know rostering Lance McCullers Jr. But the talent is you know very high as well. He could be a top twenty five arm this year. You know, big time strikeout stuff, big swing and miss stuff, the breaking balls that he has, and and he looked pretty you know pretty solid. It looks like he's healthy right now. So you know we'll see how long that lasts. Hopefully this is the year. You know he looked good last year when he came back. So I think this is going to be a year. And even if he only pitches. You know, one thirty to one forty, which is probably fair. That's not as big of a gap as it used to be, right? Like, there's not as many guys going two hundred plus. You'll probably get like Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, you know, Degrom, those types going that much. But kind of like the new two hundred is more like one seventy, one seventy five. You've a lot of guys going in that range. You know, the pitch counts are coming down from the, what they used to be when I even when I was a kid watching baseball. Nobody really throws one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty pitches consistently anymore so 130 140 isn't that far off uh, from as what it used to be so i think what he can give you on a per inning basis and the elite strikeouts i think it's uh, a good good picture to have as your sp4 yeah uh, i like lance mccullers and I, I think this is kind of a dead zone for starting pitchers so i don't have him ranked that high in my overall but um of the remaining starters he is one of the top guys on my list um, so you mentioned shortstop shallowing out pretty quick. I think third base shallows out even faster at this point. So the top guys remaining are Kebrian Hayes, uh, Chris Bryant, Tommy Edmond, Gio Urshela. And then after that, it's like Mike Moustakis and Andres Jimenez. So it gets really bad. Um, and a big part of my strategy with Max Muncy and the DH uh, is that Muncie needs to be like open. He can't be in just one position. So I found in a lot of mocks where I do this thing with the DH in, Mun- in Muncie, I feel like I-, I definitely want him in my third base spot. Um, even though 
I want him to be like flexible. So, because I just like resort to him as my third baseman because the other ones suck. But I like Cabrian Hayes a lot. Um, he's towards the top of my board, not quite there, but I do like the third base eligibility a lot because it frees up Muncie even more, which is something that I'm trying to do. And yeah, he's, um, I, I like the player as well. Um, maybe I would rather have a couple other guys, but I like Muncie for sure. Uh, I mean, what's his name? Hayes. Uh, do, what are your thoughts on Hayes? Let me ask real quick. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Hayes is one I've come around to a lot. Now, I was always you know, lukewarm on him as a prospect because I was like, he kind of fell into that better in real life than fantasy mold which is you know the, nobody ever wants to hear that when you know we're talking fantasy baseball but he is definitely like one i've warmed up to where i, I still don't think he's gonna be a stud like some people think he's gonna be a stud and you know a perennial all-star i'm still not there but definitely like the you know he does everything he doesn't struggle anywhere like, there's no like gaping holes in this game like he's not gonna have a bad average or not steal any bases he just does everything right and getting that speed from a you know, third base, which is usually not a speed you get a uh, position you get a lot of speed from outside of, you know, Jose Ramirez. So I think that's very valuable. And, you know, he's been crushing the ball this spring at a home run today, which was an absolute missile. So I'm coming around to him. I still don't like the lineup because obviously that Pittsburgh lineup is atrocious around him. So I question how many, you know, the runs and RBIs, if they'll be that high. But as just as the player in general, I'm, I'm starting to really like Cabrian Hayes. Yeah, but that also means that even if he's not great, like not to a point where you have to drop him, but like he's just not everything we want him to be. He's not moving down in the lineup. Right. Like he's batting top four exactly. no matter what. So, yeah. I mean, there's a chance he's just n- not special and he's like fine. But um, I do think that he's a pretty good lock for um, batting like high in the lineup. Basically, no matter what. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, he definitely is. So, with this, with this next pick, it's interesting because, as I said, I want six good starting pitchers. Um, and I think it gets pretty gross after this. Like, um, it, it's already kind of gross, but there's one guy who kind of stands out to me. It's Sandy. Alcantara or Alcantara, I'm not sure. Um, So I'm going to take him. Um, He's not even close to top ranked in my overall, but I think like Will Myers is the top guy in my overall rankings, but I definitely have questions about him. And I am not, I think there are decent alternatives to him later in drafts with guys like. I don't know, like Nick Senzel maybe, or like Ryan Mountcastle. They're they're not the same, but they're outfielders that I think will be solid. So I'm going to go ahead and take Sandy Alcantara right here because Joe Musgrove just went. I kind of was hoping for him. But after this, I don't know who the next best starting pitcher is, and I don't want to have to think about it. So taking Sandy Alcantara (laughs) as my SP five so i don't really have to worry about starting pitcher for a little bit um 
I'll still continue taking them because I don't think you really can have too many. Um, but yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Alcantara or the rest of the starters at this point in the draft? No, I I like Alcantara Alcantara a lot. He's been, he he was dealing today. You know, he's, he's been pumping gas this spring, looking really good. Uh, So I I like the pick there and I'm high on Joe Musgrove as well. He was one I was debating with my last pick when I went um, McCullers. I was kind of debating between those two. So those are two guys Plus, you know, McCullough's three guys I really like in this range that I've been getting you know, a lot of shares of. I usually have at least one of these three in every draft I'm in for the most part. So I definitely like Alcantara there. I'm going to go back to, I think I'll go back to the outfield here. And a guy that I think gets a little underrated at times because he's not one that ever st- stands out in any one area. Almost kind of like the, the older Cabrian Hayes of the outfield. That's Tommy Pham. Like I said, he's he's not a 30 home run hitter. He's not going to steal you 30, but he just does a lot of things well. He's a hit high. His, his on-base skills will keep him high in the order, you know, hitting ahead of guys like Tatis and Machado, you know, and once, you know, he's leading off right now because Grisham on, is on the IL. He'll probably still hit probably second, or I don't know how they'll work that, but he'll still, still hit high in the order. You know, the, you, you don't pop this guy with his OBP down the bottom of the order. So he'll probably either hit first or second, even when Grisham it does come back in a couple weeks and uh, he's just everything well he's a you know perennial 2020 guy i think he's have a lot of runs scored should have good rbi totals as well you know even hitting high in that san diego lineup that lineup's pretty loaded one through nine so i think he'll still have a lot of counting stats as well and it's getting a third outfielder here um as it kind of gets a little riskier you know at this part of the draft for outfielders so i like locking in my third outfielder here yeah and while we're at this point in the draft, uh, are you thinking about closers at all, or are you more of a? Yeah, I was thinking, thinking closers a little. Yeah, I was thinking closers a little earlier. The, the problem is, I always go into most of these drafts, you know, wanting to get a you know good closer early, but they always seem to get bumped up too high to the point where I just, I just can't bring myself to do it. And you, you look at some of the the top relievers on the board right now. And it's just a lot of question marks that I don't really want to deal with. Like, you know, one of the top guys available right now for closers is Craig Kimbrell. And as a Red Sox fan, I went through the Craig Kimbrell headaches. And yeah, he, he was part of our, our championship team in 2018, but I just don't see him. He hasn't been good since probably 2018, 2019. He was not good the last couple of years. So I just don't want to, you know, there's so many closing options later too. Like I don't think there's a huge difference between guys going now and guys going in a hundred picks. So I'm, I'm probably going to try to attack other areas here. And then, you know, in a few rounds probably start going, you know, at looking for uh, my relievers. Yep. You know, this is an interesting part of the, I'm looking at another starting pitcher here. There's a few that I really like, and you know, I got like Sixto Sanchez is still on the board. But, you know, if we did this yesterday, I would absolutely take him here. But now I'm hearing he is dealing with some shoulder discomfort. So that makes me a little weary of, you know, Miami's probably going to baby him. Like they have no reason to rush him back from something like this. So I'm going to pass on Sixto, but I'm going to take one of his teammates who is another guy. I think this is very underrated because he's not flashy, you know, when, when compared to Alcantara or six zero, and that's Pablo Lopez. It's a really good, you know, he, he's a pitcher, man. He's just a really good 
you know, pitch mix and sequence his pitches well, solid command and control, doesn't get himself into too many jams. Really, really good changeup. Um, love watching him pitch. And yeah, I don't think he's going to be, you know, an elite K guy, but I think he can be right around a K per inning with good ratios. That's a really, really good up and coming Miami rotation down there. And he's been a big part of it. So, uh, as my SP5, I'm very happy with a Pablo Lopez. Yep. Pablo Lopez is cool. Um, and I, I just talked about how starting pitchers start to get kind of gross. I, I don't think he's bad at all. But when when starting pitcher is getting this bad this quick, I think you need to scoop one up while they still are there. Okay, my guy, Trey Mancini, easy. Um He's got that. Uh, I love Mancini. He's got that first base outfield thing that I'm looking for when I've got these DHs. Oh, apparently he doesn't have first base, but maybe he'll pick it up. And if not, he can sit there in my outfield. Not a big deal. Regardless of the position position eligibility, I just really I, I think he's great. Um, and that's that. So I'm not usually a big proponent of. Um, taking a catcher early but if i do it is going to be travis darno i think i i i think i'm gonna go with darno right now he's one of my top ranked guys and my top ranked is fran mill already have dh gosman already have a lot of starters cj crone i'm considering but i think in the end I'm going to go Darno. I really don't like some of the late catchers that just don't even play every day. But I think Darno is like has a shot at being like a really plus bat in your lineup in addition to him being catcher, which is something that not a lot of people can say. Yeah, he's one of the few catchers I like. I don't like a lot of catchers, but yeah, Darno is a good one. He's my catcher in my home keeper league. Uh, this year, so I do like I do like Arno. I usually don't go catcher this early, but in a two catcher league, I can see it. And I'm going back to the outfield here. I, I totally missed this guy last time. I would have taken him when I where I took Tommy Pham um, two picks ago. Guy that's looking really really good this spring. He's got to hit lead off. It looks like as well. Victor Robles. You know he's one people are really down on. You know the batted ball metrics have been absolutely terrible. He's been you know, bottom, you know, three, four percent in the league and ex- exit velocity, hard hit rate. Even when you take out the bunts, it still wasn't good. But he was looking really good this spring. Had a few home runs, was stealing bases. I think he had like three home runs and four steals or something like that. He had around 300. And I think he still hit leadoff in front of, you know, the Juan Sotos and Josh Bells, and Trey Turner. So love that lineup spot for him. So I said the speed's still there. I think he's a 25 to 30 steal guy. And just getting, you know, that's kind of like my approach is I want to get, you know, obviously some picks you don't get speed, right? But I want at least, you know, two thirds or so of my hitters to be able to give me something in the stolen base department. That's why I took, you know, Turner early. Moncada can give me some. Swanson give me a little bit. Tucker gives me a good amount. You know, Meadows 10 or 12, Fam 20. All my guys so far outside of Jordan Alvarez have given me some sort of speed element and, Getting another guy like Victor Robles who can contribute across the board and is looking really good right now. He's, he was going top 100 some of the late drafts this spring. So getting him here in round 13 is a steal, and I probably should have taken him two rounds ago. But 
I totally overlooked him when I took Tommy Pham, but I'll happily take him here then. Yep. Uh, I don't think he's very good, but sometimes when it comes to steals, you can't take guys who are actually good. Um, and it, it, there are definitely a lot of people out there that think he's just like a solid hitter. I, I'm not one of those people, but if you think you need the speed, I get it. Yeah, see, my next pick, you're trying to look at my... I can probably go back to the pitching side of things, though. I do need to fill some more of my infield here. I only have three infielders so far. So I'll probably go back to the infield here. But infield, there's not many guys I like. This This is a little early for this guy, I think, but... I like him more than most. Um, so I'm going to go in something we mentioned earlier on the on the pod. Nick Madrigal gets some more speed here. He's one, you know, people kind of shy away from Madrigal sometimes because you know, he doesn't have much power. He's only going to add, you know, maybe four or five home runs a year. But I think it's what he brings to the table from a position that gets really, really sketchy after like pick 100 or so. Even even around pick one hundred, you go you're going with someone like Jose Altuve, and you know what's he going to give you? So really, it drops off to quick at second base. There are some guys, but it's a lot more question marks than proven commodities at this position. And yeah, he's not proven at all either. He's obviously only you know was debuted last year, but already established himself as one of the best contact hitters in the game. He was top uh, top five in the league in contact rate, O contact, Z contact and had a, the third lowest swing strike rate. He's basically David Fletcher with more speed. Uh, so I really, I really like him. He's probably going to hit low on the order. That's fine. I can see him moving up, though, because outside of Tim Anderson, you know, there's a lot of question marks as to who could hit high in that order. So I could see him moving up as the season progresses, maybe even hitting second you know, down the road if he's hitting over 300, which he has the capability of doing. And I could see him moving up and getting you know, a lot of runs scored as well. Um, so at least the you know good average and speed floor here with the potential for more and in, in the in run score department. So I'm okay taking uh, Nick Madrigal here. I like Madrigal. Um, yeah, I agree. And even if he does stick at nine, I I don't think that's a horrible thing. That means you have a lot of really good players batting right after you. Um, right. Yep. So it, I would rather him lead off, of course, but. It's not the worst thing to have. Like, uh, imagine he moved up to one and then everyone just got pushed down. Like, as if he were leading off an inning, it would go Madrigal, Anderson, Eaton, not great, whatever, Abreu, Mancata, and then just have the rest of the White Sox lineup. And I do think this lineup is going to move around as well. Um, the guy I'm going to take here, CJ Crone, pretty easily. Um, I mentioned he was one of my top ranked guys last round. And if you follow baseball enough, you know the deal with Crone. He's just like, he's put up stats in the past. Now he's in Coors. Uh, that, that's really the case for him. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going uh, CJ Crone, and apparently Mancini is not first base eligible. So that fills in my first base spot because... Um, it doesn't. It, it's not as much like out uh, third base and shortstop where it gets absolutely awful. Like you can still grab Yuli Gurriel or like Nate Lowe later. Um, but I do think it experiences a drop off after Crone, where you kind of have to worry about 
some guys playing time or they're just maybe not great guys. Another guy who we already talked about on the pod is Nick Solak. Um, I want him as my second baseman. He's my, in case of emergency, uh, break glass guy. If I can't grab Merrifield, and I didn't grab Merrifield, so now I've got Solak, um, which I like um, to counter the DH thing. So, like, now Muncie gets to play in corner or middle infield, um, and then I can pretty much pick up anyone I want and throw him in second base, throw Solak in the outfield if an outfielder gets injured, um, throw just move uh months move muncie to second and then solak to middle it, it just gives you a lot of stuff to do pairing those two together and uh i like what that does for my team as well because i think solak's a pretty solid player he could go 2020 yeah no he definitely could i, I like nick solak a lot no, I, i've uh, i wrote in my texas rangers top prospects article a couple years ago that yeah, you know, he's everywhere he's gone, he's hit, right? Like he's had a couple of 2020 years in, in college, he hit and every level of the minors he hit. Yeah, he's not a star, not a stud, but just does a lot of things well. And he, he just he just produces. So uh, I'm a big fan of Nick Solak. I have him on a lot of my teams as well. I was actually debating him when I went Madrigal. It's kind of between those two. Those are the, like, the two second basemen I, I really like in this kind of 150 to 200 range uh, and overall in the ADP. So I think, they, think they're both in for good years. And I'm going to go, I need another pitcher here. There's a couple I'm eyeing. I'm hoping, I think this guy does has a worse chance of falling back to me next time. I'm going to go Frankie Montas. He kinda had a, he's had an up and down career, but you know, he showed at one point he was one of the top pitchers in baseball. Um, for for a time, and I don't think he's that good going forward. But you know, as my SP six here, you know, I really like that. You know, he's in a good pitcher's park. It's a really good splitter. You know, I think I like the pitch mix a lot. I think he can be a good, you know, at least over a K per inning as well. So I'll definitely be okay taking him here. And yep, my other guy fell. Uh, I was debating Tyler Molly and Frankie Montas, and I went. Uh, Went with obviously Montas and Molly fell here. That's great. So I'll take Tyler Molly. A lot of love for Molly in the industry right now. Kind of started breaking out last year, and I and I think that's legit. I think that continues this year. He takes another step forward. Really like you know, what they're doing there in Cincinnati. I think that's a very very talented pitching staff. You know, all, all some of the you know org changes they've made and you know bringing in the drive line and stuff like that. Um, so I really like Tyler Molly this year. One, one of my breakout picks um, for starting pitcher, even though, like I said, he already started breaking out last year. I think that continues this year. And I love him as my – getting him as my SP7 I think is really, really good and lets me kind of ease the – you know, ease off the gas pedal with pitching and, and target more bats here moving forward and maybe some closures. So I'll lock him up here. Like both of those picks a lot. Um I also like to see um, a lot of pinching, uh, a lot of starters go off the board in this range. Um, and I appreciate that uh, you like uh, the uh, to t- to take like really as many closer as many starters as you can. Uh, I-, I also like that strategy. Um, and 
I am going to take a starter here. It's just a matter of who. I, I think I'll go Jameson Tyone. Um, the Heat kind of wore cooled down a little bit um, for him, but I still am pretty excited about Tyone. Um, I, I think he could be a really, really good starter, and at his worst, he's probably just decent. Um, so even though I have Mookie Betts and uh, Tim Anderson and a few other guys that also get steals, I do think I'm a little bit behind. And there aren't too many more spots to um, fill them with, like just in my starting lineup, because I've got a catcher, um, a couple more outfields, and a middle infield. But that middle infield's really anything. It's just take who you want. And right now, I want Rymel Tapia. He's the leadoff guy for the Rockies. That is great. He... I think he'll get quite a few steals, which is also great. And then he also has a good batting average. So I see him as like a legit three-category contributor in three of the hardest categories to um, find guys in. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, it, it was between him and Leody Tavares. I don't know. I, I just have a good feeling about Tapia kind of and he probably would have fallen to me next round but I felt like I needed to grab some steals yeah no I, I like Tapia a lot I wrote about him earlier in the offseason as one of my kind of outfield sleepers or breakouts whatever you want to call it for this season for you know what of what you just said you know he's hitting lead off a lot he did he hit lead off basically every game for the last like month or so down the stretch last year good speed good contact rate so yeah, I like him. He, and he could run in some pop, right? He he's not a zero there, so I I can see him running into ten to twelve home runs, especially at Coors Field. Uh, so yeah, like that pick a lot. I've gotten Tapia in a lot of my drafts too. Uh, I probably I'm trying to look at who's available for catcher here because it's two catcher format, and catchers dry up really quick in that this format. But not really looking at catcher quite yet. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a closer here. And one that I think could be, I think, really, really solid this year. But people, you know, over, overlook this team in general. Uh, it's Pittsburgh Pirates and Richard Rodriguez. And he's, he's one of my favorite kind of late round, you know, ADP 200, you know, plus range relief pitchers. Because, you know, if you're a bad team, that usually means you're, if you're winning, it's winning close games. Like Pittsburgh's not going to blow out many teams and that could be a lot of like eight to two wins in Pittsburgh this year. So when the, even though they might only have 60 to 70 wins, a lot of those wins are going to be close. So I think he could flirt with 30 saves this year, 25, 30 saves, you know, solid enough ratios. Don't love him as my first relief pitcher off the board, but it's kind of the way I've been going in a lot of these drafts where I don't really invest too, too highly. Unless I can get, you know, like I said, if I can get a, like a Liam Hendricks early, you know, I will, but a lot of times they even those guys go too high for my liking. I'm not gonna take Liam Hendricks at like pick sixty, so um, I'll go Richard Rodriguez here. Get, get some get some saves. I'm definitely looking at closers for my next pick, and I wouldn't go Richard Rodriguez because I think his job is less secure than some other guys still on the board, and that's like 
I don't care how good you are. I want job security. Um, when you get to this point in um, closers, so I, I wouldn't personally take him, but I do get it. Like, I think he's, in terms of, like, quality, the best um, reliever remaining, other than maybe, like, Emilio Pagan, which probably still isn't even true. Like, uh, a lot of those Padres or, like, Braves guys, I like them, but they, I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and who knows in San Diego, like who's gonna close again? I think Pagan came in in the, I think he came in, in the seventh, and then Pomeranz in the eighth, and then Melanson. So, who knows? That might be a straight up committee. It's kind of hard to tell there. So, um, but I like all those, all the guys they have. Like I, I like Pagan, I like Pomeranz. I got Pomeranz in a lot of leagues this year. But I'm gonna go back. To, I'm gonna back to the hitting side of things here, and. Get a player here. I'm just trying to find if he's available. Yes, he is. Great. Um, a guy that I've been targeting in basically every draft. I think this, again, might be, along with Corbin Burns, one of my most rostered players this year. It's Mitch Haniger of Seattle Mariners. He's going to be hitting leadoff. Missed all of 2020 due to multiple issues. Um, multiple kind of not not great issues. It was like he was like had a sore shoulder. It was the back and then the ruptured testicle. So really, really a rough 12, 18 months for for Mitch Haniger, but looks very very health you know good and very very healthy again. Uh, was really hitting the ball well this spring. I say looks hundred percent healthy. That's what it's kind of been reported that he's back to hundred percent. And in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, he was very good. Like he broke out in twenty eighteen. Was one of the you know, top thirty or so hitter that season. And the metrics backed it up. He was hitting the ball hard, you know, good barrel rates, you know, all of his expected stats. He kind of hinted that everything he was doing was legit. It wasn't fluky. And then in 2019, even though the average did drop a bit, you know, he was on, I think it was like a 45 homer pace, and he scored 46 runs in like 58 games, even with like a 320 or so OBP, which is kind of an outlier, but. I like him a lot. Good power, a little bit of speed, hitting leadoff for, uh, I think, an up-and-coming Seattle lineup. Uh, so I will take Hanniger here. He's been one of my favorite targets around pick 200, and we're at 210 now. So I think this is good value on him. I like him a lot as well, as is true for most of your picks. Um, yeah, big fan. I, I think he's good, and I, I don't know if he can even be labeled as injury-prone. I just think he um, is got has gotten unlucky with the injuries, and it's not really his fault. So I'm gonna da- yeah. double tap some closers here, um, and start off with Hector Neris. Um, he was named the closer. You can't really say that about any guys left still on the board. And on top of that, I think he is pretty decent uh it's definitely not like great or anything but he's he's serviceable and at this point that's kind of what you're looking for next guy i'm gonna take as my rp2 is greg holland i don't know if they've come out and said it but it's pretty obvious he's the closer and again i'm not sure how good he is but i feel pretty solid about his job security um so now i have two closers that i feel good about getting uh quite a few saves i I think both of their teams are gonna be uh lend themselves to save opportunities because they're good not great 
Um, that's ideal. And then they might not have the best ratios. They might not get a ton of strikeouts, but that's why I have six starters that I feel really, really good about. So they pick up some of my late, uh, relief pitcher slack. And I like that. Um, so also before we go on too much more, I do want to just tell the audience, we aren't going to be drafting, uh, much of a bench. So at this point, even though like, I think in a real draft, I would start looking at bench players, but just to like fill out the roster, I think we'll take three bench players, but just to fill out the roster, uh, it might be worth taking other guys that like, aren't like, I might really like Jared Walsh. I I do really like Jared Walsh, but I might not take him here because the limited bench spots and I don't know how well he fits in. So I, I just wanted to bring that up before it was too late. Yeah. Yeah. I can quicken my analysis here too, for time's sake. So we're getting, you know, obviously in, in later rounds here and even though we're only doing a limited bench, getting this guy, which will be on my first bench player here. Cause I've already filled my outfield, but I cannot pass on him here at pick where we have two twenty three. And that's, you know, people that know me shouldn't be too surprised by this. Jared Kelnick of the Seattle Mariners, who is my pick for AL Rookie of the Year. And I think he's going to be an absolute stud from the get-go. Yeah, he's, he's that type of prospect with the hot, the great hit tool, power speed. I think he can excel right off the bat. And he's going to be up soon. Like, he's going to be up. If he's not up by May 1st, I will be absolutely shocked. And he can be a five-category contributor right from the get-go. Uh, so I really especially like it. with, especially with all the drama, like how could yeah. they not call him up? I, I was hoping that they were going to just cave because of that and have him on the opening day roster. Just be like, Hey, look, no, we're not doing that. Just uh, make it look at, Oh, that was just that one crazy guy. Don't worry about him. We're not going to do that. So, but obviously it didn't happen, but he should still be up soon. Uh, unfortunately, the guy I was hoping would fall back to me in the next, in this round went right after me, D- Dustin May who just got named the number five starter for the Dodgers over David Price and Tony Gonsolin. So I was looking at Dustin May here. But I'm going to go with another reliever here, get my second reliever. And a guy that was just, you know, again, if we were doing this yesterday, I probably won't take him yet, but was kind of somewhat named the closer or at least the number one guy for saves in the St. Louis bullpen. That's Alex Reyes. A guy that I've liked for a long time, was a former you know elite pitching prospect, but you know, below average command and control kind of moved him to the bullpen, which I think he's raised better suited anyway. But you look at what he brings to the table. He's, you know, he pumps upper 90s with his fastball, can touch triple digits, and he's got two really, really good breaking balls. Both this curve and slider had whiff rates above 40% last year. The slider had a whiff rate, I think it was like 54, 55%, something like that. So I think he can be an elite. You know, he's already had a shown. He's an elite strikeout uh, pitcher. And yeah, he's gonna walk. You know, his walk rates was you know not great. You know, so he's gonna walk guys. But I think he's just like a younger, better version of Craig Kimbrell, who was going you know hundred hundred or so picks ago, or at least fifty or so picks ago. So uh, I'll get my second reliever here and go Alex Reyes. Yeah, um, I am unsure of how secure his job is. I heard them talking about the report on the broadcast today. 
And I, I like have RotoWire Twitter notifications on. Like in the past few days, I've heard like everything that's happened in baseball. Haven't I? I didn't know like half of the names, but everything that happened, I knew. So maybe it just got like lost in all that mess. But I didn't ever hear that. So I was kind of like, huh? When they said uh, they named Alex Reyes the favorite for saves today, but. He was pitching in a low leverage situation, which I don't know. I, I just think the guy is Jordan Hicks. I think that makes the most sense for the team and have Alex Reyes in like a long relief role. Um, but yeah, at this point when you're taking, I like, I just took Greg Holland. It, it's perfectly fine to take um, Alex Reyes. So now... Right. I mentioned a couple rounds ago that I was looking at Rymel Tapier, Leody Tavares. I might just get both. Um, I don't love Tavares. I, I don't love Tavares, but I mean, he gets steals. He, I, I tweeted out the other day, like, what's the difference between Leody Tavares and Victor Robles? Like, I I do have Robles ranked one spot higher. I I have Tavares ranked one spot higher. I know I'm not with the consensus on that one, but like, why 90 spots apart in ADP? Do you have any explanation about that? You know, I think for me the gap between the two. I think Robles has a bit more power potential, but there it is odd that there's that big of a gap between them. You know, like I said. The, in terms of skills, it's really just power, even though you know it might be crazy to say with the exit velocity and stuff that Robles has had, but you know, I think he's gonna get you know five to ten more home runs per year. But outside of that, they're probably similar in batting average, similar in, in stolen base totals. I think really what it is is Tavares was a you know a good but not great prospect, and Robles was you know at peak a lot of, on a lot of top 10 lists. So I think it's the, the prospect pedigree, uh, I think is what kind of separates them a lot. But yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of value, Tavares is a great value for where he's going because he's, you mentioned he's not that much different than Victor Robles. Yeah. And also <laughs> that was round 20. So um, yeah, I, I think that is perfectly a very reasonable pick. I, I don't love him. I don't think he's, very good, but he's on the Rangers, going to get playing time, going to steal bases. I think that is fine at this point. Um, now I am going to go with one of my, f- a player that I just like and have a good feeling about, and that is Jared Walsh. Um, a lot of times in a lot of drafts, I've been getting both Jared Walsh and CJ Crone. Um, and... I have no problem with that. Two first basemen, it does kind of ruin this whole uh, get as much flexibility as possible thing. But when you can get both of them, and that that was round 21. So if I can get both CJ Crone and Jared Walsh, I'm happy. I, I like that. That's a really good uh, duo, I think, of like value first baseman. Yeah, the only concern I have with Walsh is, I don't know, the, the playing time looks a little iffy right now. I don't, he should be the starter, but they kind of have him playing Pujols a lot more. And, you know, I'm probably one of the biggest Albert Pujols guys around. He was kind of my first, you know, 
favorite player in terms of fantasy players that I drafted early on. But I think I feel like you know, since it's probably Pujols' last year and he put that Instagram post out months ago, I kind of wonder if the Angels are kind of just playing him more than they in, anticipated playing him. Just because, like, all right, we probably should play him. You know, got the fans see him one last time. I wonder if that factors into it. Maybe not. Maybe that I'm totally off base here, but this is kind of weird to how good Walsh was last year. The fact that he kind of was getting spotty playing time this spring. I like the player, but this is my one concern with him is, is just the uh, potential for playing time. But if he plays, he should be a really good late round power source for sure. It's fair. And you're getting a discount here. Like if there was no Albert Pujols, I would take him round 12. Like I, I really like the player. Um, yeah, I do too. May, maybe not round 12, but like 15 ish. This is round 21. So like we're accounting for the playing time questions, but uh, Pujols is starting tonight. So that's a little concerning. I just hope that it's like, all right, you can start one more opening day and then. Uh, just like like once or twice per week, and then the rest is Walsh's. Um, I hope that's the situation. That's more of a hope than like a reasonable, uh, more than a reasonable, like uh, I don't know what the word is, but like a reasonable expectation, I guess. Um, but nevertheless, you have a huge discount. It's round twenty-one, like whatever. Yeah, yep, yeah, agree with that. All right, now it is your pick. There. Who are you looking at? Uh, it's still showing that. Did you? I don't think you actually picked Walsh. It's, or was it or, or my end lagging? For me. Uh, hold on, let me let me refresh here. This is showing okay. you as on the clock. <laughs> Draft board might be speed lagging a little bit. You gotta love technology. Yeah. Hoping the player that I was looking at is still there. Uh, the guys that went after Walsh on my end are Santana, Ty France, Brandon Nimmo, and Hasyan Kim. Okay, so he should still be there. Let me find him again. So I'm going to uh, get, get my first baseman here. Yep, he's still there. Great. Uh, go a little bit of a homer pick here with my Boston Red Sox, but Bobby Dahlbeck is one that I'd love as a late-round power guy this year. I think there's a slight chance that he could lead the major leagues in home runs. I think that's at least in the realm of possibility. It's like I've said many, many times before, his swing, his kind of profile fits Fenway Park so well. He's more of a pull hitter, though he has all fields power, but he does pull a lot. He elevates the ball well. His launch angle has always been really good. And that, you know, pulling the ball to left field and elevating at Fenway usually means a lot of good things. Either you're clanking one off the, the, off the monster for a double or you're hitting one into or over the monster seats. And he was going on a home run barrage this spring. And yes, the string and miss concerns are very, very prominent. He's going to strike out a ton, probably only going to be a 240, 250 hitter or so. But, you know, if you're in an OBP league, he gets a nice bump because he's always had a pretty solid walk rate. Um, but even if he's only hitting 240, which I think is right where I'd have him around that 240, give or take, I think there's a good potential for 35 to 40 home runs this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he got over 40 with the type of power he has and the and the ballpark that he'll be playing half his games. And another one, like the AL East, like I mentioned earlier, the AL East is just littered with hitters' parks. So he's going to play like, at least two-thirds to three-quarters of his games in good hitters' parks, very good hitters' parks at that. So uh, 
at pick. What are we at? Pick 247. Getting a guy that, you know, 35 to 40 home run potential this late is pretty damn good, I think. So, and I need, I need a first baseman, so that fits there too. Um, so I'll take Bobby Dahl back here and be very happy with it. Yeah, it's an upside pick, and I see the upside. I would not do it though. Um, but yeah, he could, like, it's not likely, but it's possible that he leads the league in homers. And you can't really say that about really anybody at this point. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I know. He, he's not everybody's, you know, cup of tea, as the, the saying goes. But you know, I really li- like what I've seen out of Bobby Dahlbeck. And now I probably need to get a catcher here at some points. I still need to get two catchers. But I still got my corner infield spot to fill as well. So I might go that route first, especially if this guy, if he's still available, trying to find him here. And he is not. Never mind. Um, So I will go catcher here. And there's not a lot of great options left. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go an upside pick here. And it could come back to bite me having this guy as my, my first catcher. But. With all the options left that I don't really like too much of, I'm gonna go Alejandro Kirk. You know he was a trendy catcher pick. You know when draft season began, but then you know they brought in Semyon and Springer, which moved you know Grichuk to DH, and those at bats didn't seem to be there. But they did keep him on the on the roster, and I wonder how much he's gonna play. He might only play around half the time at most, but I think if you can get some at-bats at DH, some at-bats as the backup catcher, his upside is just way further than any other catcher in this range. And you got to wonder it. I don't think they would keep him up if they weren't going to at least play him somewhat. Right? I don't think he's going to be sitting on the bench and only getting sporadic at-bats here and there. So I think he's going to play at least somewhat and get at least half the at-bats between catcher and DH. So uh, I'll, I'll go upside here is I don't really want to go with Yadier Molina or Jan Gomes or someone like that. So I'll take Kirk here. I don't think Yadi's even available. So yeah, it, it's getting very shallow. Um, I kind of hate everybody remaining. So I would have gone Kirk if you had not just taken him. But since you did take him, um, I tweeted this out today as well. Joaquin Soria is the only guy I have in every single one of my leagues. He's not like a I must have him. In TGFBI, he kind of was because I waited on closer and was getting very nervous. So I was like, okay, sorry, as the only guy with safe job, have to have him. And now there are concerns about his job, but we're very late. Um, And there's no other reliever remaining that doesn't have questions. Like, I guess Daniel Bard, but no. Um, And Gregory Soto, also no. two runs in his first start in his first save opportunity. Who knows if he's the closer next game. So yeah, I'm taking Soria. I I think he's the right pick um, for the closer job if they want to do that in Arizona. But I think in that situation, it's actually wise to have a closer so that you can trade him. Um, And Soria is their best shot at getting any value in return. All right. So now I have to take a catcher, I think. Or, hold on. Who else could I take? Um, hmm. I'm going to take Tony Gonsolin. 
just like that's a good pick. I was the I was actually looking at him for my next pick. That's a good pick. Am I though? I er, I don't know. At this point, everyone's basically the same, so I really am not sure. I think that might be a lie. Actually, I will go Drew Smiley. Oh, I clicked Brian Anderson after all of that. Uh, so just imagine that Brian Anderson is Drew Smiley. <laughs> I guess. Um, whatever. Uh, so yeah, Drew Smiley. He had a great year last year. I don't think it was completely real, but again, round twenty-three. What if it was? So, Drew Smiley at this point. Yeah, it, like I think the most likely outcome is somewhere in between last year and his career norm, which is still like not good. I, like if he does that for enough starts, you would probably want to drop him. But there's always a chance, and. It's a high upside play. Um, so, yeah, Drew Smiley it is. Yeah, no, I, I was looking at both him and Gonsolin. So, uh, with S- Smiley off the board, uh, I, I will go Tony Gonsolin here. I was actually hoping to get um, Eliza Hernandez, who went uh, in the middle of your last two picks. So, uh, so I really like Eliza Hernandez this year. But I'll go Tony Gonsolin. You know, it's at this point, you know, yeah, he's not going to be a starter. You know, he's kind of one of the odd men out out there in Los Angeles. But I think he's still going to pitch meaningful innings this year. You know, even if he, even if that doesn't come in the rotation right off the bat, because you know, he's one of those guys. He's going to come and probably have like two or three innings here, two or three innings there, and still get. I I think he's still going to get over a hundred innings this year, and you know, maybe even creep up higher than that because. You know, obviously Kershaw is always seeming like he's like one start away from going on the IL. You know, there's not really a lot of guys that are just like locked into that rotation, even though there's a lot of talent there. Um, but always that Kershaw injury. Bueller's dealt with some stuff as well, some blister stuff. So, you know, Urias has dealt with, you know, m- multiple arm and shoulder injuries. So I think there's a, a good chance he could get some starts this year. Maybe not a ton, but maybe you know, maybe 10 or 12 starts, you know, in this all of his relief outing. So, I think 100, 120 innings are still very much in play here. And, you know, 120 good innings, too. I really like Tony Gonzalez's stuff. He's got three or four pitches he can miss bats with. So I think he'll get a, a, you know, a ton of strikeouts, keep the ratios in check. And, you know, if he gets into that rotation, I think he could be a top 50 starter this year. So kind of like a, you know, upside, you know, pick this late in the draft. But hey, but, you know, this late in the draft, if it doesn't work out, who cares, right? You, you know, he's, you might drop him for you know a hot free agent in April or May. So you know there's really little risk here and potential for a solid reward. So I like Tony Gonsolin. Yeah, and um, also like in TGFBI, it's a short week, of course, but like I was making a decision: should I start Herman Marquez or literally no one? <laughs> um, so I went with literally no one. Um, but like a guy like Tony Gonsolin. Great, like, like, just throw him in. Um, he's at Coors, which is unfortunate, but like, you can just throw him in, hope for four cumulative innings over this four day weekend, uh, and he'll get you something. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, I think pitching is going to be tough. A lot of guys are going to be injured, and you already mentioned when you were talking about McCullers, like, everyone is going to have not many innings and so that kind of brings 
the average down and that makes Gonsolin and guys like Gonsolin and McCullers be closer to the league average than anything else. Yeah. So yeah, I like that pick. I obviously since I was yeah, especially- about to pick him. Um, <laughs> Right. Yes. Especially like, you know, I think innings were already trending down as it was. And then factor in, you know, this is the first full year back after the shortened COVID season. So I think teams are just going to play it cautious and not, you know, obviously they'll let, you know, even Garrett Cole was getting, you know, getting limited a little bit today. I don't think that'll last for long, but I think a lot of teams will handle it that way where they just kind of like scale their pitchers back just a little bit. Don't want them to go back to full, you know, hundred percent workloads from, you know, pre 2020. So I think I think that that'll factor in as well. And now I get to fill. Uh, so I'm gonna fill catcher and corner infield here. So I'm gonna fill my corner infield with the first baseman that I really like. I've been a big fan of his ever since his days in the Tampa Bay org. And that's Nate Lowe. You know, had a really really good game for that opening day. But even without that, I was still I still would have drafted him in this area. I think he's a guy that is you know. Could hit for a good average, good amount of power. Texas isn't as much of a hitter-friendly environment as it used to be. But that Texas team, that lineup, I mean, like, it could be sneaky good. It has has to have a lot of things break right. But, you know, Gallo and David Dahl, I think that could be. Leody Taveras, like, got you drafted. I think that could be at least a fun team to watch. And they put up a lot of runs in opening day. I know it's not going to happen all the time, but... I think there's some good talent on that in that lineup, and you know, Lowell will probably be hitting in the middle of that. So I think there's a good chance that he could be a, a breakout you know, corner infielder this year. So uh, I like him here at, at round maybe at round 24. I think it's good value. I think there is no team that you can say has a bad lineup. Like even the Pirates, they're solid-ish. I, I mean, of course they're not good, but like. Today, their lineup, uh, to me at least, looked pretty good. Adam Frazier leading off Cabrian Hayes. Love him. Uh, Brian Reynolds was like really good two years ago. Colin Moran, I like him too. Kevin Newman had like one of the best springs ever. Uh, Gregory Polanco, of course, he's going to get injured like in three days. But <laughs> for now, he's solid. Yeah. Jacob Stallings, he's a catcher. Um, I'm fine with him there. And then Anthony offered, that's your eight-hole hitter. A lot of teams don't have eight good hitters. So, yeah, like, I, I don't think any you can really say any lineup's bad. Like, there are definitely things that could go right for any lineup. And, yeah, the, the Rangers, they're yeah. kind of sneaky. Um, With this pick right here, so something that I like to do is grab Miles Straw just really late as a bench option. I I ideally don't want to start him, um, like like draft him to start him, but I feel pretty decent about my steals right now. But if they get bad or if I want to uh, secure my lead, I can throw him in for a couple weeks and let him do some work, let him get some steals, and then replace him with whoever I find on waivers or whatever, like... Use him as a fill-in, even though it might not make the most sense for your like actual team. Um, but yeah, I, I like a guy like Miles Straw in this type of situation. Yeah, cheap speed, definitely like Miles Straw. He's one of, one of the one of the faster guys in baseball overall. So really like him there. Yep. 
So I think we have two more picks. At least I do. Um, yeah, uh, I yeah I got to fill out my second catcher and then one more bench here. I think the draft room froze me again. Oh, Let me wait, refresh it, real quick it's here. My, no, I fooled myself. Um, it's my pick again. Oh, okay. You didn't I, pick. I okay. I was on the turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I did take straw. Now, oof, I will go Austin Hayes, but that's a lot of outfielders. Um, I want a position player. Ooh, okay. Uh, Jesus Aguilar. He, on, at least on roster resource, he has everyday playing time. He had a good game today, two for four, I think. Um, and last year he was really good. Three years ago he was really good. He had one awful year in the middle. Um, but I think he might just be a good batter. Um, and he's batting high in what I think is a pretty solid lineup too. Yeah, that's not, not a bad pick at all. Um, I'm gonna. I guess I'll fill my second catcher spot here. Not, not anybody that I'm, I'm super high on in this range. But I guess you know this late, might as well just go upside. Is if it doesn't work out, I can ride the whoever's hot. You know, like last year I got Severino for a few weeks when he was hot. It's kind of riding the hot streaks. So I'll, I'll go upside here and go Ryan Jeffers of the Twins. Good power bat. I think he could be a, a 25 homer hitter over a full season. He's probably going to be more so in a timeshare with uh, Mitch Garver. So maybe when he gets 300 to 350 at batch or so. But and I, I think that maybe he slots in, you know, get some time at DH or something like that too. So give him enough at bats to let that power play. And I think even in that amount of time, he took a threat with like 15 to 18 home runs. He's got that type of power. So I'll, I'll go with him here as my second catcher. Yep. And then my last Your team pick. really looks like my TGFBI team. You have a lot of the same guys. Uh, Ryan Jeffers, uh, Kyle Tucker. And it's a pretty extensive list. Trey Turner. Yeah. So obviously I like it as well. <laughs> uh, see, last pick here. I guess I'll go. I'll, I'll grab another, another pitcher here. Another upside play. I'll go Tariq Skubal. Of the Tigers, he's, he's in the rotation. There's a little bit of you know question whether he, him, and uh, Casey Myers would be in the rotation, but both of them have made it at least for now. You know, maybe Spencer Turnbull comes back and that bumps Mize out, but I think Scooball is fairly safe to say in that rotation and big time strikeout stuff. He's one of the top strikeout pitchers in the minor leagues last year or 2019. Uh, I, I guess I'm saying last year because it wasn't last year anymore. Um, be a lot of strikeout, you know, I think he can keep the ratios in check. He has a big breaking ball that he can get a lot of swing and misses on. Good fastball as well. And the rest of the you know, arsenal isn't great, but he's a, a serviceable changeup as well. I think he can at least give you a lot of strikeouts. And this late, I think that's really all you really need. Uh, so I'll take Scooball here and hope that he uh, continues his path and breaks out this year. Yeah, I like the pick. Um I think, that was my, I think that was my last pick, too. Yeah, I got three bench guys now. It was. Um, I'm going to just take my second catcher, and that will be Omar Narvaez. Nothing special. Maybe he returns to form after a really, really bad season. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like my team. What do you, what do you think about your team? Um, I'm looking at it right now. I like your steals a lot. 
your pitching staff looks really good and you have a lot of alternatives as well. Um, I, I like how you built yeah. it. Like steals are not going to be a concern. Uh, you have Trey Turner. Yeah. You have uh, Yohan Moncada, Kyle Tucker, Austin Meadows, Tommy Pham, Victor Robles, and then a few other guys who might get a few chip-ins. So, yeah. I... I like what yeah, you I did. think speeds would be. I think I'm. Yeah, this team's definitely gonna be one of the top teams in speed. You know, obviously this is a mock draft and I played out league, but I can't see. I think it would take a lot of injuries for this not to be like one of the top speed teams in the league. I think I got some good power as well. And I, I even in the middle after I drafted Molly, I sent. Uh, I took a screenshot, sent it to my buddy Chris Clegg that writes with me at at Fantrax. He's on you know, my co-host on the Fantrax Toolshed, and I was like. Man, I think this might be one of my favorite pitching tests I've ever had, and too bad it's only a mock draft. Um, but yeah, I, I like my team overall. I think I got some good values. Always, I love my outfield. Um, yeah, I think this this could be a, a contending team if this was a you know an actual lead that we played out. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. And I like my team too. Uh, I really like the pitching staff. I, I'm glad that Jameson Tyone is my SP six. Uh, and Sandy Alcantara is my SP5. So that's good. I have three closers that I feel decent about. Um, that's really the goal there. And then everyone else I think will have, except for Walsh, um, everyone has playing time on my offense and definitely contributes in, I think, uh, pretty complementary categories like I, I think it's a pretty balanced offense maybe i'm lacking a little on speed and we should make a trade but um the the taveras tapia duo hopefully that does a decent amount for my speed because other than that i don't see much going well here i guess boots uh bets in anderson and solak so yeah i, I guess it's fine um maybe i should have looked at steals like instead of Cabrian Hayes or something, but I, that that's just perfecting it. I, I think it's a pretty solid team. And I have straw if I want to throw him in for a couple uh, weeks as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It really meant a lot. I know scheduling was tough and that's why, that's why we're <laughs> no problem. And that's why we're doing a mock draft on opening day. Um, cause scheduling's hard when you have to make a podcast that's like an hour long and have plenty of other responsibilities. So yeah, um, it, it still gave us a good excuse to talk about a lot of interesting guys that I may not have covered on the show yet. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to drop all of your, uh, work and like where to find you and all that type of Thing. Yeah, sure. And th- thanks for having me on. This was, this was a lot of fun. I always love talking baseball. And yeah, you can find uh, me on Twitter at EricCross04. Uh, all my written work is over at FantraxHQ.com, with the exception of uh, my work in the Fantasy Baseball Black Book that Joe Pizapia puts out every fall or winter. Um, that's a great book there. And then my two podcasts, the Five Tool Pod with Jesse Roach of Baseball Prospectus and Jake Devereaux from The Dynasty Guru. And then Fantrax Toolshed that I mentioned with Chris Clegg. So I got those two podcasts and just a lot of, you know, I do, uh, now that we're in season, I will be doing a 
uh, two articles weekly in addition to the two pods, at least two articles. Maybe sometimes I'll fit in a third, but I'll do a waiver wire slash fab article on Fridays. And then uh, early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, I'll be doing a, it would be kind of a, some sort of a dynasty slash prospect focused piece. Kind of, you know, the topics will be rotating, but um, yes, yeah, so I try to cover everything I can and uh, it's going to be a fun year. I'm just excited that we have baseball back and a full 162 game season. So thanks for having me on. Was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. And I definitely like keeping up with your work. Um, I think it's a lot of good stuff. I appreciate that. Uh, as always, as always, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at FOV underscore sports. I'll talk to you next time. But until then, Eisen out. Eisen out.